0: Hawkeyes, your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, Hawkeye Nation, to a Tuesday morning episode of the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast, your daily podcast covering your Iowa Hawkeyes on the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, I am your host, Andrew Wade. And on today's show, we are obviously going to talk about yesterday's big win over Virginia. Have a lot to talk about with that men's basketball game. I know I said I was going to talk about it on Wednesday, but I decided to wake up a little early. And give you the pre- or the review of that game today and it was a big game um iowa winning on a last second shot followed by a last second block by patrick mccaffrey a lot of fun in that game we're also going to talk a little bit more about iowa football the big 10 awards are going to be coming out soon so we're going to give our predictions for those awards we're also going to be talking a little bit about the fact that the depth chart came out and spencer petras was number one what does that mean for the iowa hawkeye football team going forward plus we got a special guest coming on later this week i want to tell you all about it later on in the show i want to remind you and say thank you for making the locked on hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day you can find the locked on hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcast at and also on youtube by searching locked on hawkeyes and this episode, breaking out Iowa versus Virginia and talking a little Iowa football, is brought to you by Sonos. Sonos is the official sponsor of ESPN college football. Go to sonos.com to learn more. And that game, that was quite an interesting game. Iowa getting up to almost, you know, to a 20 point lead and blowing it, had me thinking, wow, this is really how this is going to end, right? I'm sure a lot of you were thinking it as well. Are we really going to blow a 20 point lead? This team clearly isn't ready. Well, all things aside, Iowa got it done after building a 20 point lead, ultimately closing out the first half 44 to 30. Virginia came back and they came back hard, even getting up late, late in the game. Iowa, though, did not fault or falter, I guess you could say. And I think the big thing a couple of takeaways from this first and foremost, this is why you have a Jordan Bohannon on your team. For those of you out here who criticize Jordan and don't like him being a part of the team or think it's ridiculous that he is on the court. This is why you have Jordan Bohannon on the court. I want to preface that with, I have been critical of Jordan Bohannon in the past, but at the two spot, Jordan Bohannon is a huge value add for this Iowa basketball team with a game high 20 points in this game. He was knocking down clutch three after clutch three, uh, started off hot and then was hitting threes when no one on the Iowa basketball team was getting any good shots off. That's huge. You need a guy like that in big time games like this where the moment is not too big. Keegan Murray came out strong, didn't do as well in the second half, but ultimately finished with 18 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 assists. Um, had a little bit of a scare where he rolled his ankle on his brother's foot, but came back, played well. Um, this is a good game to show that Keegan Murray is a guy to watch out for on the national stage. Now, before I get into any kind of real analysis, I want to quickly point out that Virginia. this is not the same Virginia team that we're used to. This is not a Virginia team that is going to be a number one seed. This is a Virginia team that lost a lot of pieces last year, 70% of their production. They have a couple transfers in. They run the same style. They run the same system, that pack line defense. However, they're still not there yet. So it's not like we just beat a top 10 team. We beat a team that has struggled a little bit to this point. I mean, they already have three losses. They're kind of figuring out where their transfers fit in with some of their veteran guys. And I will beat them. But – that being said, that doesn't take away from a big-time win over a, you know, a big school who has a basketball pedigree in and on their home court. Iowa was playing in a hostile environment, one of the first times a lot of these guys have played in a hostile environment. Reminder that Keegan and Chris haven't played in a hostile environment. There was no real fans in the crowd last year until the the conference championship games, or the conference tournament games, I should say. You know, Jordan Bohan is really the main guy. Joe Toussaint has had a little bit of time. Patrick McCaffrey, but he even wasn't really playing that first year. So, Connor, maybe. So, I mean, not a ton of experience playing in front of a, a hostile crowd. And Iowa stepped up to the plate and they came out swinging. What I thought was really interesting about this game, obviously, Virginia, not a very good offensive team. What they are known for is their defense. And Iowa's offense came out strong, even though they struggled a bit in the second half, still put up 31 points to finish with 75 points against Virginia. Um, the announcers are even saying, we can't remember the last time anyone put 75 points up on Virginia in Virginia. Um, so I'm going to show you this offense is legit. I mean, they're able to move the ball. Yes, it don't have the same pieces like a Luca Garza or a Joey's camp, but they have different pieces that almost kind of fit better together, in my personal opinion. Now, the issue coming in to this season was defense. Now, I thought Iowa's defense was definitely going to improve this year. I felt like with the size and length they had, they were going to get better on defense. Against Virginia, they looked good, and then they struggled in that second half. And really a lot of it was the fact they're playing a lot more zone. Um, when we saw the last couple of weeks, or the last couple of games, I should say, where Iowa was putting a lot of pressure on the ball, they were half-court trapping, we saw a lot more turnovers, and Iowa was playing a lot better defense and getting out in transition and converting those transition um transition in baskets we didn't see that in this game and it was because i went to a bit more zone now why they went to a bit more zone i think is kind of twofold um virginia is not a very strong three-point shooting team they haven't been now granted when iowa moved to the zone they started hitting threes at a significantly higher clip trey murray i believe I, I don't, no one even knows who that guy is and yet He was coming out, firing, doing a very good job in this game. But I think the other piece is Iowa shortened up their bench. So whereas we've seen them play 20 minutes for their starters, we saw a lot more time for their starters in this game. Look at, for example, Keegan Murray, 35 minutes. Jordan Mohan in 30 minutes. Philip Racha, 28. Joe Chisant, 26. Patrick McCaffrey, 24. Um, Chris Murray had a nice game, 17 minutes. But we saw Peyton Sanford only play three. Tony Perkins only play nine. Aaron Euless played 12. These guys have been getting a lot of playing time to this point, but didn't get as much playing time in this game. And I would argue Tony Perkins, probably a better on-ball defender than Jordan Bohannon. Um, we've seen some things with Philip Abrauch, I thought did a pretty good job, but we haven't seen that bench not get as much playing time until this game, which is a really big factor. I think when you're looking at a zone versus a man defense, when you're playing man, you have a little bit more energy when you're rotating guys in and out. But when you have your starters playing 25 to 30 minutes, you're going to need to go to that zone to lighten up the load a bit on them. So definitely an interesting game as we saw that all kind of play out for the Iowa Hawkeye basketball team. A couple other things I want to quickly call out in this game. Um, Joe Toussaint, I thought, had a phenomenal last shot, um, creating his own shot, making that basket. Clearly, Iowa wanted to get it to Jordan Bohannon, but they couldn't. And the fact that Joe Toussaint was willing, able, and made that shot, um, shows the kind of adversity that he can kind of battle through and get to. I mean, he's gone a long ways to get to this point to be kind of the guy making that last-second shot, and that was a huge shot for Joe Toussaint. And then for Iowa to come back down the other side of the basketball court and Patrick McCaffrey to get that block was absolutely huge. Um, just a very heads-up play by him, a heads-up play by the Iowa Hawkeyes to be able to hold on defensively for just a few more seconds. Uh, so overall, um, was is Virginia a great team? No. But is virginia the best team iowa has faced absolutely and to this point iowa has lived up to that test there's a lot of things to work on a lot of things to improve but you have to like where this iowa basketball team is to this point right now now iowa gets purdue on friday and that is going to be a very tough game i'll be honest i have zero expectations for a win going into mackey arena playing purdue however You better, know me. I'll be rooting for them. I'll be giving you that preview later on in this week, but uh, it is going to be a very interesting game to see where Iowa falls on the spectrum of Big Ten basketball and playing with those top 10 teams. Virginia, a strong team, but not a top 25 team at this point. Coming up, we're going to talk a little bit about the Iowa football team. Uh, Awards are coming out soon. I'm going to give you my predictions for those awards. We're also going to talk a little bit about the depth chart Spencer Petrus named The number one quarterback for this upcoming game so we have to talk about that uh that is going to be a huge piece a huge factor going into this game against michigan with a very strong a very very strong defensive line before we get to that though this is it the putt to win the tournament if you sink it the championship is yours but on your backswing your hat falls over your eyes is this how you're running your business poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth with visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR planning, budgeting, and more. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite, and right now through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. Head over to netsuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. That's netsuite.com slash LockedOnNCAA. Now, for all of you college football fanatics and you college basketball fanatics out there, have you heard about prize picks? Because if you haven't, you're missing out. Prize Picks is Daily Fantasy made easy. I love this and I know that you will too. Prize Picks is a leader in college sports daily fantasy. They offer more college football props than anyone in the world, and they offer all the star players of the Power Five, as well as mid-major players you might not have even heard of. They offer any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. Here is how it works. Prize Picks allows you to pick mixed board entries up to two to five, or between two to five players. You pick an over under on their projections, and you can 10x any entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Their entries can be made fast and easy within 60 seconds or less, and they offer fast and safe withdrawals. So don't hesitate. Check out prizepix.com right now. All of our listeners can get a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when they use the promo code LOCKEDON. So that's right. Go to prizepix.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON or go to your app store and download the app today. is daily fantasy made easy. And again, thank you all for making the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast your first listen every single day. You can find the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast for free wherever you get podcasts at and also on YouTube by searching Locked On Hawkeyes. So let's get into it. We talked about Iowa versus Virginia. Um, What a fun game to watch. What a fun game to see this young Iowa basketball team persevere. Uh, they struggled in that second half. They figured it out. They get the W, and that is ultimately what matters. They now have Purdue later on in this week, and we'll be talking about all that later on in this week. Also coming up later on in this week, we have a crossover episode with Isaiah Hull of Locked On Michigan that'll be dropping on Thursday. We also are in the works. I don't want to promise anything yet, but a former NFL player, a former Denver Bronco football player, and a guy who went to Michigan, big Michigan fan. He might be joining the show later on this week to give us a preview of Iowa-Michigan and what his thoughts are going into that game. Also give us a little insight into this Michigan football team from a former player's perspective. I know you all love the LaShawn Daniels' conversation, so I figured it'd be good to get someone from the other side of the team or the other side of the field and talk to this former football player. So we're going to work on getting him in. More to come on that. Let's turn our attention to awards, though. This is going to be a very interesting situation. Um, There are several guys who could get first team all Big Ten honors, several guys up for player of the year honors as well. So we're going to walk through all that on the show today as awards should be coming out. I believe this week they should be coming out. If not next week, um, I'll have to double check on that. But wanted to at least get ahead of that. And then again, following up, we're going to talk about the Iowa depth chart. So defensive back of the year. Cornerback has been a bit down in the Big Ten. When you look across the board, there's not – Um, You know, a a big-time cornerback out of uh, Ohio State. You don't have some guys from Michigan who are going to go second or third round. Um, That really leaves Riley Moss in a position to potentially take the defensive back of the year award. Now, the issue with this is that Riley Moss was out several games. But you can see the impact of Riley Moss being out. And even playing with a torn PCL, he has been playing lights-out football and has been a big-time contributor is what he did the first six games of the season and against Penn State. Is that enough to get him this honor? I think it's going to be close. Regardless, I do believe Riley Moss will be first team all Big Ten in this um in this season i also think his running mate dane belton could be first team all big 10 now dane belton has had some up and down performances for the most part it's usually up um he is leading the conference in interceptions and typically that is a good way to get you into that spot especially if you have played at least above average football dane belton being kind of the do it all guy for the iowa hawkeyes um i could see him also getting first team all big 10 honors let's get the easy one out of the way though tyler linderbaum is clearly going to be a first team all big 10 center i also think he should be the remington pace offensive lineman of the year if he's not uh it's an atrocity last year some people didn't even vote for him as the first team all big 10 Center last year which i thought was absolutely ridiculous but he should be able to take home the hardware this year i also believe jack campbell will be a first-team All-Big Ten linebacker. Um, Jim Harbaugh even talked about how good Jack Campbell has been this season. Jack Campbell is a rangy linebacker who is always involved in every play and has made some big-time plays like that interception, touchdown, return versus Illinois. Those are the the big-time kind of plays that you look at when you're trying to look for a Big Ten, All-Big Ten linebacker. Jack Campbell also second in tackles in the Big Ten. So I think, to me, you have to put him in there. The other guy i want to call out is caleb shudok caleb shudok is going to be in an interesting position we talked about this a little bit but he didn't get the lou groza award final or didn't get into the lou groza uh finalist competition he lost out to three guys three of which i don't believe he is worse than three guys two of them being in the big ten so if lou if if caleb shudok gets first team all big ten and kicker of the year you really got to sit there and wonder, wow, how bad and how jaded is this Lugro's award committee? So let me break down the stats for you real quick. Caleb Shudok, 22 of 25 kicking field goals, 88%. 8 of 8 from 40, from 49, 4 of 6 from 50 plus, and has a long of 51. Two of those three missed field goals, you could also argue, are not his fault either. Um, a 56-yarder versus Illinois, and a really bad snap against Iowa State. Now my stats are a little bit behind, so I apologize here. I just realized I didn't actually take into account the this upcoming week or this past week for Michigan and Ohio State. But at this time, when I put these stats together, which was actually on Saturday morning, Noah Ruggles, 16 of 17, 94%, a long of 46, only four of four from 40 to 49, hasn't kicked really that many difficult field goals for Ohio State. And Jake Moody, 22 of 24 for 92%, three of five from 40 to 49, one of one from 50 plus, they long of 52. So Caleb Shudock. Has just a slightly lower accuracy rate, but two field goal attempts that you could argue really weren't his fault, plus been very consistent from 40 to 49. Has actually kicked just as many field goals, has made more field goals than both those guys, Jake Moody and Noah combined, and also made significantly more field goals from 50 plus than both those guys combined. A difficult thing to do. So I think Caleb Shudok should be first team. I think Charlie Jones, without a doubt, will be first team and should be return man of the year. The only concern I have here is Jaden Reed, who has two punt return touchdowns. But I think you got to give the nod to Charlie Jones. Um, when you look at him on the field, he's a game changer. There's a reason why Iowa's offense can be pretty poor, and yet they're getting very good field position game in and game out. It is because of Charlie Jones. Look at what he did against Illinois. Game changer. Absolutely flipped the script. For Illinois got Iowa back into that game going over to the second team I think Sam Laporta will probably be second or third team Austin Allen has put together a really impressive run at tight end for Nebraska so I think that's probably going to be the the first team all big 10 uh tight end I think Sam Laporta should be second team though and I think Jack Kerner is also going to fall into that second team spot as well moving over to the third team I think it could honestly be a mix of a couple of different defensive ends, Zach Van Valkenburg, Joe Evans, who's seventh in sacks, and also Lucas Van Ness, who's seventh in sacks in the Big Ten. The reason why I say a mix is the Big Ten has some very strong defensive end play. You look at Aiden Hutchinson, you look at George Karlaftis, those are the first two guys that come to my mind. And there's a lot of other talented players. You look at Minnesota, who has several good defensive linemen. Illinois has a couple of good, very, very good defensive linemen. This this defensive line group. And the Big Ten is stacked, so I think we might get one of Lucas Van Ness, Joe Evans, Zach and Valkenberg. It really depends on how much they're valuing stats versus how much they're valuing uh, the the non tangible, the intangible things. Like Zach and Valkenberg is oftentimes going to be double teamed over some of these other guys. He's taking on multiple blockers and is doing things that doesn't show up on the stat sheet. I also think Tori Taylor. This is going to be a controversial take. I think Tori Taylor is going to be a third team All Big Ten punter. Now. I think Tory Taylor should be first team. But when you look at the other punters in the Big Ten, you have to realize there's some really good punting in the Big Ten. Just look at the numbers. Now, not everything goes down to numbers, but I think when you're voting on some of these things, they are going to rely on those numbers. Tory Taylor, sixth in punting average in the Big Ten. Sixth in net punting average in the Big Ten. There's some really good Australian punters in the Big Ten. I think Tory Taylor, um, especially later on the season, has had some kind of struggling punts, although – I think he's been fantastic. I just don't see him getting better than third-team All-Big Ten. I would love to be shocked there, though, in my personal opinion, but uh, I just don't think it's going to happen. I also think Tyler Goodson is going to get third-team All-Big Ten. He's had some big numbers, but when you look at some of the other stats, it just hasn't been as good. A lower yard per carry average, um, lower touchdown numbers. Um, But I think what he's done against certain teams and how he can be a game-changing back will get him the nod as a third-team All-Big Ten type of guy. And then finally, I think – Matt Hankins is going to be an honorable mention uh, pick. I do believe Zach and Valkenberg, Joe Evans, Lucas Van Ness, whichever of those two or three does not make third team will be honorable mention as well. Those are my picks, though, for the All Big Ten Awards. Let me know what your thoughts are in the comments. Let me know if you disagree or agree who you think should be All Big Ten. And as those awards come out, we'll definitely make sure to break all of that down right here on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Before we get into that, though, you listen to podcasts for the power of knowledge. You switch to Boost Mobile. For the power of saving money, because with Boost, you get the power of a free 5G phone so you can listen to all the latest episodes delivered right to your phone. The power of three unlimited data lines for 30 bucks a month per line so your family can harness all that brain power too. It is freaking awesome. And the power of one America's largest 5G network so you can do all of it at the speed of 5G. With all that money you'll save and all that knowledge you'll gain, just how powerful will you become? How many podcast episodes of Lockdown Hawkeyes podcast can you listen to at the blink of an eye? I tried tried snapping there, but clearly just not the right hand to snap with. I'm better with my left hand here. But switch to Boost Mobile and you'll find out how amazing it is. And get a free Samsung Galaxy A32 5G when you switch to one of America's largest 5G networks. More power to save. Boost Mobile free phone limited to new customers and one per line. Additional restrictions apply. Offers coverage not available everywhere or for all phones and networks. See Boost Mobile for details. And you've heard me talk about betonline.ag before, but betonline.ag has you covered for all of the season with every single thing going on basketball, football, NHL, boxing, UFC, right to your favorite Vegas Casino games. BetOnline.ag has you covered. Last night, I didn't tell you how to do this. I wasn't sure, but I put money on Iowa to win once the the odds got up, once Iowa was no longer favored. I also put money on Iowa to get over 64.5 points at BetOnline.ag. They've only gone below 65 points, I believe, five times in the last four years. I felt like they were going to get off to a hot start. They did. I did not expect them to struggle so much in the second half. But nevertheless, I won that money at BetOnline.ag. I wouldn't tell you about BetOnline.ag unless it was my trusted source to bet on every single game. So head over to their new updated desktop or mobile website, sign up today, and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. BetOnline.ag is the fastest. And the easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, BetOnline.ag, where the game starts. So we've teased this a little bit. The depth chart came out. Kirk Barron said that he was going to talk about the quarterback decision on Tuesday's conference call. With the depth chart coming out, I think it's pretty obvious. Spencer Petrus is going to be the guy starting for Michigan. Now, here's what I, I think about that. First and foremost, anyone who's listened to this show knows that I personally like what Alex Padilla can do a little bit better. Now... I would be I would be wrong to say I don't think Spencer has some good qualities and good traits. I think Spencer has a good arm. I think when he's on, he can make some very good plays. And he's come up clutch several times since he's took over for the Iowa Hawkeyes as a quarterback post Nate Stanley. Last year against Wisconsin, that second half one of the best second halves I've seen. Against Nebraska, he made some beautiful throws. That throw on the sideline to Charlie Jones, there was only one spot you could place that ball. But again, I think this quarterback battle is incredibly close. I think Alex Padilla against Northwestern, that might have been the best quarterbacking I've seen in quite some time for the Iowa Hawkeyes. He was on the money to the point where wide receivers weren't expecting the ball to be there. Some of the best throws I've seen were in that Northwestern game. I also like the ability of Alex Padilla to get out of the pocket. I thought the playbook opened up a bit more as well with Alex Padilla. Now, all that being said, the offensive line has progressed quite a bit and that was my biggest concern spencer Petrus back there is a freaking tree anyone who's listened to the show before has heard me call spencer a tree the guy ain't moving he literally will not move he is going to get sacked if pressure gets in on him my biggest concern was the fact that this offensive line could not block for him they couldn't give him enough time enough time for spencer Petrus to make the throw and even when they did give him time when the pocket was collapsing spencer couldn't step up or he wasn't willing to make throws in tight spaces Against Nebraska, the offensive line showed up. Now, granted, Nebraska is not a very good pass-rushing football team. But the biggest thing that showed up to me was that Spencer was willing and able to make throws when the pocket was collapsing and not be worried about making an accurate throw or getting hit while he was throwing. Now, against Michigan, we're in for a test here because this Michigan defensive line is dominant. It's one of the reasons why they beat Ohio State. Aiden Hutchinson is a beast. Kirk Ferentz was comparing him to John Randall. You don't get that kind of comparison unless you are doing something truly amazing at that defensive line position. Can Iowa's offensive line continue to improve and make the right strides to just give Spencer Petrus enough time? That's the biggest question here. The depth chart also showed Nick DeYoung and Jack Plum as the starting tackles. Really interesting to see, will Mason Richmond get time? What happens if one of these guys struggles? And believe me, I bet one of them does. It's going to be tough against Michigan. Now, the other thing to note is what we've seen this season that Kirk is not afraid to make a change anymore. Typically, Kirk is a ride-or-die kind of guy with his quarterback, but he has not been afraid to make a change when absolutely necessary. He did it against Northwestern. He did it against Nebraska. You better believe that if the pass protection is breaking down very quickly, I'd be willing to bet that Kirk is going to be throwing in Alex there because Alex can get out of the pocket. Alex can escape. Um, I actually read this about from Chad Lysico as well. He mentioned the fact that maybe Alex actually gets a few series just drawn up for him. I could also see that too. It changes up the things a little bit. Now, that's not a very Iowa thing to do, but we saw Purdue do it pretty well. And what we've seen when Iowa plays teams like Michigan, where they are down, where they are a 10.5-point dog, which they are, we've seen Iowa get a bit more creative. We see Kirk get a bit more aggressive because they know they have to pull out all the strings, all the stops to get those wins. We could see a two-quarterback system, although I'd be a little bit shocked to see it happen too much. But the biggest thing is if Spencer struggles, if that offensive line struggles, I could see Alex Padilla coming into this game. We saw him do it against Northwestern. He had no issues at all. So that'll be a really interesting thing to watch as – the game progresses, and boy, I am just getting excited talking about it. We're going to be covering all of the game throughout the week. Again, we have a crossover episode with Isaiah Hole on Thursday. He covers the Michigan Wolverines on Lockdown Michigan for the Lockdown Network as well, just like me. We also have a former NFL player who might be joining us too to break down Iowa versus Michigan, and we'll be breaking down the Kirk Barron's press conference on tomorrow's show. And just a reminder that Iowa versus Purdue basketball Friday night, we're going to try to get you a preview of that as well. If you do want to bet on more games because I was not playing until Friday, you definitely have to check out the Locked On Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. He does a fantastic job of giving you the lines that you need to be betting on because that is where you're going to make some money and put a little bit of money in your pocket. So check out the Locked On Bets podcast every Monday through Friday. And thank you all for tuning in to this Locked On Hawkeyes episode this Tuesday. Have a phenomenal Tuesday. And as always, Hawkeye Nation, let's go Hawks.